fucking hate it at my job. Don't fucking step to me. <laughs> and you can't go to the bathroom when you want to. You oh. have to like just wait. Oh no, 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 no. You would you would definitely deck a kid. <laughs> you would de- <laughs> no thank you, no thank you. No sh- thank you, please. Ew. Ew. <laughs> I can hate everything about I'm that. I'm glad you heard that too. I was like, ew. ew. <laughs> All right. Let's start this bitch. Let's do it. Do it. Not it, but like the and podcast. We're not going to do it. That's. No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't like the vagine. <laughs> My vagine is platinum. <laughs> <laughs> Serve it on a silver platter. Ew, stop talking about it. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to episode 56 of I'm Sorry What the Podcast. I'm a man. I'm Amanda. I'm Chris- You're Christina. <laughs> you silly goose. It's fucking stupid. I'm stupid. <laughs> anyway. I like it. You keep that. I'm That's good. At, well, I'm fucking at this point. We're episode... Fe- we're 56 in. If they're listening, <laughs> let's. they fucking know already. Let's be honest. If they're surprised... Maybe go back a few episodes. <laughs> Maybe don't start with the last episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What's up, dude? We just were talking a lot, so... We just shot the shit for like a half an hour, so... Not much. How are you? <laughs> not much. We should... What That's we not the about? appropriate way to what? answer that. How are you? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said, No, you said, what's up, dude? I know, and you said, not, not much. much. How are you? And I was like, not much. Oh, I thought you were saying my response. So I was no, like, mine. Mine was correct, bitch. It's um, just like this. Enjoy your day, or what? What is it they say at Quick Trip? Oh, thanks for coming. See you again, or something like that. Something like you, you do. Uh, <laughs> thanks for stopping. You too. Yeah, that's what it is. Something like that, or. Stop again, you too. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Come again, again, you too. You, you too. <laughs> Happy and then you day. walk out like this. Can't, can't go to that quick trip again. <laughs> what do we talk about in the half an hour that we were recording, but not actually recording? Um. Oh, I was sick. Oh yeah. Not with the coronavirus because people are fucking crazy. Um. Not that it's not serious, but I mean, I mean, we didn't need to empty out the Costco of toilet paper. Which it's I think is hilarious. Everybody needs to calm the fuck down. First of all, makes me happy that I'm overprepared all the time with my paper products. Because <laughs> I still got like 16 rolls and this was before coronavirus. So. However, if the zombie apocalypse were to occur. Is that the first thing you'd think about? Yes. Your toilet paper? That's very important. I don't ever, whether it's zombie apocalypse or not. Wanna be wiping my ass. It's not the first thing. Dude, listen, it's not the first thing, but it's high on the list. Don't right have to listen like, me, thank right you. Under, right <laughs> under the guns and like non perishable food. It's like number three. Like guns, non perishable food, slash water, toilet paper. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I I win. First of all, why is there also a shortage of bottled water? Like, do you guys think that the whole grid's gonna shut down all of a sudden? The only reason that you would need to stock up on bottled water is if you're on a well system. Because if the power goes out and you're on a well system that's not backed up by a generator, then you're not gonna have any fucking water. But if you're in a city like Rochester that has generator upon generator, if the power goes out because a fucking squirrel went crazy with coronavirus and ate through the grid... You're still gonna have fucking water. 
Yeah. I don't know, man. I think people are just like getting a little out of hand. Well, wash your damn shit. I understand like, okay, I'm going to be quarantined for 14 days. I need to buy 14 days worth of stuff. If you need 48 rolls of toilet paper for 14 days, you probably have something wrong with you other than the coronavirus. Yeah, you should have been to the doctor a while back, I'd say. <laughs> Not that I'm I don't want to negate like that it's a scary thing. It's spreading quickly like But everybody's panicking. But you're panicking that panicking over an illness that is basically the flu on steroids. There's no cure for it. You just got to let it run its course, run its course. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. Wash your fucking hands, you filthy animals. Also, that makes me laugh. The fact that they're like, there's a shortage of hand sanitizer and hand soap. What have you fucking people been doing for the past? Like, what? (laughs) Or even, like, sanitizing wipes and, like, cleaners and stuff. I'm like, do you not clean your shit? Yeah, like, I don't... What? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. But you know, it's alright. It's gonna pass. Everybody'll be fine. Just relax. I was actually contemplating and I started doing research on the uh the flu pandemic from the nineteen twenties. Uh-huh. But it was a lot more research than I was prepared to do in a week in a week. Mm-hmm. But it's actually very interesting. It like ebbed in through like, ebbed and flowed, like, three different times in, yeah. like, the 1900s, and I'm probably going to do that at some point, but I was like, it's a little too on the nose for me. Right, we're going to go ahead and wait. <laughs> we don't want to freak people out more, <laughs> because that was a very scary thing. What really pissed me off is... Careful last- with that. I set it down gently. It's so funny, it still, like, buzzes. Anything touching is it? Is it your headphone that's doing no. it? No. Oh. Because it's not doing it now, it's just when you hit, it did oh. the, like... Echo. Sorry. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> okay, so what really pissed me off is I watched the news, and I was watching the news last night, and it was literally 45 minutes on coronavirus. And then in the last 10 minutes, they were like, now to bring it over to flu, a toddler died today, and that's the 1300th child to die since the start of 2000. And I'm like, why are we not... What the fuck? This... There's so many deaths from the flu already this year. And I get that coronavirus can get uh, is going to get a lot worse, can get a lot worse. There could be a lot more deaths. It could be a lot of issues that come with it. Right, that it spreads much more fa- much more faster, much quicker. And there's just a whole lot of other things that are in the scheme of things that makes it a lot scarier. But also, we got kids dying of the flu rapidly mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's never been as big a deal as this coronavirus yeah that's also i'm gonna stop calling it the coronavirus covid19 just sounds more dramatic <laughs> right COVID-19. coronavirus has now been ruined by all the corona jokes uh corona <laughs> people even stopped drinking coronas you're fucking stupid man uh um, that's a mexican beer you i'm Fucking dumbass. So we have new is it policies. Mexican? Is it Mexican beer? Uh, I maybe have just made that up. It I always think has so. like the beach and like a lime, and so I've just always assumed. I think it is. I, I guess can, I don't know for sure. I fucking made that up. I know it's an import. Yeah, there we that's go. all I know. I know um, it's a shit beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan, but <laughs> I know that much. <laughs> 
Um, so at work, we started having to do different policies now too. Like it's a drop at the door policy where the parents are supposed to stay at the door and drop the kids Don't off. Come in the fucking room. Uh huh. Because well, so we have these like sterilizing now policies to clean everything as you know regularly through the day. Um, what? I'm just picturing like. <laughs> Hazmat suits. Hazmat. We got a 2319. <laughs> Did you see that? And Dude. I, the one where he does the math. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw that. But I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing that with a mixture of like, we've got sterilizing and you like throw the kid in. It's like those movies where in prison when they power hose them down and they're like in their underwear. I'm like, you're just doing it to toddlers and <laughs> the fire hose. Okay. Excuse me, I'm getting a little shit. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's more... The parents drop off. The kids put their own stuff away if they're old enough to do it. And, or the teacher goes and helps put it away. And then they go and wash their hands right away. Okay. Just to try to keep any outside germs from getting all over our stuff. Mm-hmm. As much as possible. I'm and then picturing you like, this is Sparta kicking any parents uh, to come into the room. <laughs> I totally have been that teacher so far. Because it started yesterday. And parents obviously had just gotten the email. So not mm-hmm. all of them had read it. You know, whatever. And so I was like shutting my door and I never have my door shut because I feel like it's weird Yeah, to be like closed off from the world. So I was shutting my door and they'd go to come in and I'd like meet them at the door and open the door for them and be like, hey, so, and show them the little sign that's on our door now that mm-hmm. asks them to stop, drop, to drop off and pick up here. It's like, this needs to, it just needs to be a little more clear. Because it doesn't even have, like, a stop sign. I feel like it needs a stop sign to just, like, hey, draw attention to me. Look, hey, stop. fucking read me. I'm a sign. Yeah. But it doesn't. So I think I'm going to make a little stop sign so I don't have to keep, like, walking over there and being like, hey, get out of my fucking room. Hi, you're gross. Don't come in. <laughs> That's what I feel like I'm doing. <laughs> Hi. Sorry. Um, You can't come in. You're, uh... You got outside germs. <laughs> you got outside germs. I need you to just give me your child. Thanks. But you can't come in the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give me your child. Thank you. I. Uh, what are you doing with my kid in there? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. See that stop sign? That's where you stop. They're going to be real clean when they get home. <laughs> Ain't no germs coming out with them. Oh, God. Um, But, I don't know. I think it's kind of silly. But at the same time, I get it because... It's a big deal with kids, too. And everybody keeps asking if we're going to close. And my one of my bosses is like, this isn't something we've had to deal with before. So we don't really know what their protocol is when things start happening. So if someone has, like, a case here, I guess, yes, we would close for the two weeks while everybody gets, like, quarantined to be sure that it doesn't mm-hmm. spread. But I don't even know what that looks like. So I can't really answer that question. But as of now, no. We're not closing. <laughs> uh, no. If schools close, we're staying open, I guess, mm-hmm. from what I've heard. Um, as long as there's not any, like, issues. Right. Okay. So, I mean, so it's nice job security, at least. Good uh, job. Awesome. But also, you. If schools are closing because it's that bad, I'd rather not have a bunch of snot-nosed, um, spitty kids around me, but it's Almost fine. all of... Um, almost all of... Words. Ohio. There you go. <laughs> almost all of Ohio was shut down. Like, they closed all the schools, all the colleges. Just... 
real panicky up in that bitch. Yeah. I was like, Minnesota's probably like, ooh, we use too many snow days to be able to do that unless we absolutely have to. Or, no, they really haven't used any snow days this year, so they could just be like, oh, we've got plenty of snow days built in, let's just shut down. It's true. Well, and they're having kids go to school online, too. It's not... Oh, yeah, because they have all that, like, IXL They got all that technology stuff. bullshit. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's weird. Uh, when I was a kid... A snow day was a fucking snow day, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a pandemic was a fucking pandemic, yeah, you know what you I mean? Yeah, you stayed at home and you didn't fucking learn shit. You didn't do anything, you still played in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Drank water out of the hose. Yep. For so, real, though. I think, I think I'm good. I think I, I won't mean, get anything. I've eaten way too many weird things in my life to catch something like that. I mean, it. like I said, if it happens, it happens, you know? You know? It is what it is. That's what I'm living my life like. I just... Just... And you have to have surgery. I do have to have ankle surgery, which is also kind of nice, because in two weeks, I get my ankle, I get surgery, and then I'm actually quarantined for, like, six weeks, because I can't fucking go anywhere. So, unless my parents bring it into the house, in which case it's their fucking fault. I'm blaming you! I'm blaming you, assholes! But... Well, or unless it, someone with it, like, directly sneezes into the open wound during the operating room. But I feel like that wouldn't happen. Well, isn't that nice for you? <laughs> Remember when I said we stay open even if everything closes down? <laughs> That's my life. Do you remember? It's just like snow days. Do we you, don't get snow days. Do you remember when um, last year I had ankle surgery? Uh-huh. And it was during the polar vortex. So everyone was bitching because it was like negative 65 degrees in Minnesota. Yeah, and like, and I, I don't was even like, know. I haven't been outside in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we were recording at your house. And so yes. we didn't have to do like a horde of recording so that and, we're ready yeah. for you being laid up. Yes. So if we put out any recordings and you're wondering why the facts are wrong, it's because we recorded in advance because I'm getting my, I blew out my ankle. Like you blow out a tire and now I got to get it fixed. I blew out another tire. I blew out another tire and I don't got any spares left. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are you ready? Yes. Do you have a story? I do. You don't? I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure I said I do. You did. I just and wanted I just, to see I'm how you would respond. Huh? I really what? wish this was a visual platform so people could see exactly what I mean when I did the I'm sorry face. Theme. I've almost got this together to where once we get recording stuff, we could straight up do it right here. I'm sorry. What? Okay. <laughs> That's all I imagine. So I'm going to tell you about the Hammersmith nude murders. Nude? Nude. Like naked? Yes. Okay. They are a series of murders, of six murders, that happened in London in 1964 and 1965. And the victims were all sex workers and were found undressed in or near the River Thames. Okay. Also, just in case it happens, I always want to read it as the Thames. Okay. And I know some people call it that, but apparently in England it's the Thames. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to say it correctly. Okay, good job. But if it comes out the Thames, go fuck yourself. It's um, like, <laughs> I don't know sorry. why you're already telling people to fuck themselves when they haven't, you, you haven't even done it yet. 
because it's going to happen. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm give sorry. yourself some credit and give them some credit, all right? All right, I'm going to try. I'm trying. Okay. So, it's known as the Hammersmith Nude Murders, but the press, because of the similarities to Jack the Ripper, killing sex workers, mm-hmm. he, they named him Jack the Stripper. Oh my god. <laughs> what asshole. <laughs> thought that was funny. I mean, what a- fucking punny guy is like, <laughs> you know what's going to be funny about these murders? If I just make a pun out of the killer's name. I mean, it's kind of funny, but not really because six people died. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so it's not a joke. It's not a fucking John. joke, Nielsen. Okay. John. John. So, Jack. I was just, no, I was just choosing like a random man name who thought that would be funny and John came out. Fuck it. Fucking Brian's. Brian. Fucking Brian's would think it was funny. It's not funny, Brian. It's not fucking funny, Brian. Okay, so Jack the Stripper is the other slash name for this. And it's just fucking terrible. So there was intense media interest, and it was considered one of the biggest manhunts in Scotland Yard history, but the case is still unsolved. Okay. All forensic evidence to the cases also at the time that was gathered is believed to have been destroyed or lost. So, probably never going to be solved. Right. So, we're starting with victims. So, this first victim is a believed victim. They they can't say for sure that she's an actual stripper victim. I don't know how else to respond to them. I don't want to say the Hammersmith nude murders victims. I mean, you're talking about just one killer. You could just say victim. I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) So, her name is Elizabeth Fig, but she also was known as Ann Phillips. I couldn't tell. One of them is her alias, but they didn't really tell me which one it was. Okay. Um, She was found on June 17th in 1959. So, before the time span that they are calling the killer's, like, window that he worked in is 64 to 65. So she, they believe that she's either one of the first or that it's just a coincidence. But okay. the similarities are pretty Right. Close. Well, and I mean, it seems like usually serial killers do their first one and then they have like a longer cooling off period than any other time. So it right. could be that she was the first. And there's actually two, I think. Yeah. There's yeah. one in 63 too. So that there are, they believe it's possible, but they haven't officially no, said yeah. that yes, it was. Um. So they, she was found June 17th, 1959, around 5 in the morning by police officers on the north bank of the River Thames. Uh, her body was slumped against a small willow tree. They were just on, like, a normal patrol, just walking along the river and okay. found her. Um, the park did have a reputation as a lover's lane, and sex workers were known to take their clients there. Okay. Her dress was torn at the waist and opened to reveal her boobs. Um, marks around the neck's... The neck work, <laughs> the boobs. <laughs> Just you, you're saying it so like matter of factly, and then you're like the boobs. <laughs> it's like breasts. <laughs> I I don't know why I Her said chest. boobs because I typed breasts, <laughs> but for some reason I saw the word breasts and was like, you know what's a better option? You, <laughs> boobs. You just turned into like a 13 year old boy. I don't exposing her boobs. <laughs> And I typed breasts. That's the best part. As I looked at the word breast, and I was like, you know and I what? just said boobs. I'm gonna go with boobs. Okay, God. <laughs> Fucking so her breasts. So her were breasts exposed. Had, were exposed. Um, <laughs> God. 
God damn it, Nielsen. Um, there were marks around. <laughs> Sorry, I just I couldn't let it go past. It was just so like I was trying. What? To, I was trying to let it go because in my head I said breasts, and then I was like, or I said boobs, and I was like, why did I fucking do that? You're so fucking dumb. The word is breast. <laughs> It wasn't just that you said breast. You said it in a totally different tone. It's like da 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 da. Boobs. Okay. Jesus Christ, we're talking about a dead chick. All right. Okay. Okay. Maybe this just doesn't need to make it in. No, it needs to because it's amazing. All right. Anyway, her breasts are out. Marks around the neck were consistent with strangulation, and her underwear and shoes were missing. And there was no identification or personal possessions on or near the body. Um, A pathologist concluded that the death had occurred somewhere around midnight to 2 a.m. on the 17th. So they had found her about three hours after she had been killed. Okay. They took a post-mortem photograph of her face and distributed it to the press um, and was recognized by her roommate and her mother. Extensive searches of the area, including the riverbed did not turn up her underwear, her black stiletto shoes, or her white handbag. They believe that she had been murdered by a client in his car after removing her shoes and underwear, and that these and her handbag had remained in the car after the body was disposed of. Okay. Is what the thought was. Uh, a proprietor of the pub on the opposite side of the river from where Fig was found said that the night of the murder, he and his wife had seen a car's headlights parked in that area around 12 o'clock shortly after the lights were switched off they d- they heard a woman screams but they didn't investigate any further um her boyfriend fenton ward was a suspect in the murder he was known to beat fig on occasion and was known to act as her pimp but he was ruled out because he had an alibi sounds like a joy mm-hmm. so then We're fast-forwarding to 1963 to the next victim, Gwyneth Reese. Uh, Her body was found on November 8th at the Barnesboro Council Household Refuse Disposal Site, um, which is near, um, it's about 40 yards from the Thames towpath. So it's like about a mile from where the park is and like 40 yards from the river. So Mm -hmm. still along the river, but in a different area. Um, she was naked except for a single stocking on her right leg, extending no further up than her ankle. So it was, like, rolled down to her ankle. She had been accidentally decapitated by a shovel workman because they had dumped her in the refuse. And that's how they found her is they would accidentally chopped her head off with a shovel. Oh, my gosh. What a bad day. <laughs> like, can you just imagine you're going, you're just... I'm just trying to move refuse, like... I'm just trying to do my job. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sounds fucking I mean, to be fair, she was doing the same thing. I'm just trying to do my job and ended up dead in that pile, so... Yes. Um, Marks on the body. She is believed to have been strangled using a ligature, but... um, Because she had been decapitated, some of the marks were... Yeah, they could But they believe that she had been decapitated. Um, and then several of her teeth were missing. She was originally from Wales. She had gone to London after falling out with her family and with an unwanted, and she had an unwanted pregnancy. So she was pregnant. Uh, she wanted a better life. So she moved to London and then that she just kind of fell into the world of prostitution. 
Okay. Her pimp was a known associate of criminals of the Ronnie and Reggie Cray, which is a gang, the Cray gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was well known for giving his girls a good thumping, in quotation marks, and was reported to be looking for Reese just before her disappearance, which made him a solid suspect in the murder as well. But nothing came of that. Uh, another theory was that it was an illegal abortion gone wrong. Oh. And had she had found herself pregnant, was said to have been asking fellow prostitutes, sorry, sex workers, for anyone they knew who could perform an abortion. It was still illegal in the UK at the time. Okay. She had gone through such procedures twice previously, but questions remained about whether or not that was true. Or, yeah. Or just hearsay. And also, if it was an abortion gone wrong, why would they strangle her? Right. With, they didn't really have any evidence. There was a lack of communication and trust between police precincts and sex workers. Like, between police precincts, I'm sorry, and sex workers. So sex workers wouldn't really talk to cops. Cops wouldn't talk to each other. Right. It was a whole thing. Uh, Communication was lacking. Yes. Just overall. Just a bit. And the fact that at the time, I mean, even now, they're considered second-class citizens, basically, sex right. workers, who they... That's why they're always picked off by serial killers, is because the cops the are looking... dead. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> so, solving the case wasn't overly important at the time, mm-hmm. and it was basically forgotten about and went cold as well. So... Now we're into February of 1964, which is the first confirmed victim of Jack the Stripper. Uh, Hannah Telford, she was found dead on February 2nd on the uh, on the shore of the Thames below Linden House, which is like a, I think it's like a restaurant okay. kind of thing. There was a lot of like descriptor, geology descriptors in here. They do that And a I was lot. trying to like keep some of it in to make sense where it was found but all of it i was like this it was like linden house by hammersmith bridge between the this and this and this and i'm like i think this is all i need see and a lot of times when i read those things it's like unless you're from that area right you would have to like legitimately look all that stuff up anyway to know where it is so it's like yeah i could say all this but does it really make a difference right so i'm trying to leave like the importance so you kind of get a river basically she was found on the river again mm-hmm. different spot uh, she had been strangled, several of her teeth were missing, and her underwear, reportedly covered in semen, had been stuffed into her mouth. Uh, Gross. Just take that in for a minute. I don't want um, to. I don't want to take that in at all. So, postmortem concluded that the cause of her death was drowning, but she also had bruising on both sides of her jaw. The coroner also concluded that she had been in the water anywhere from two to seven days, and there were some signs of ligature, ligature, but her death was caused by drowning. Okay. She was reported missing 10 days before her body was discovered. Uh, like several of... All of these victims were... Most of them weren't from London. They had moved to London and then fallen into kind of the sex work trade. Okay. So... She was also, though, other than sex work, believed to have been involved in the making of sex tapes and working at sex parties. Oh. And due to her history of working at these parties for members of high society, it was 
theorized that her murder and others in the series may have been connected to a high society and their sex parties. Because there's kind of this rumored oh. underground world. And when I get a little bit further into it, there's actually a name for the scandal. There was an actual scandal about so it's like one sex of those, parties. One kind of, those, of like um, an Epstein thing. Sex but ringies type of deals. With, but they were with sex workers. And um, there was a bunch of like details about what hannah had reportedly did and i'd left it all out because it just made her sound terrible <clears throat> but it's just what's the point yeah there what how does what does that do to help the case at all nothing so police interviewed hundreds of people in regards to the murder particularly those that were known to have used prostitutes um slash that works workers or even if they could locate them the people that had some of these parties uh one was even reported to be an international footballer, who I'm assuming is soccer. Yes, <laughs> you're correct. Uh, despite the high number of people interviewed about the murders, no one ar- was ever arrested for the murder of Hannah Talford. And just nine weeks later, another murder would occur. So the, sec- the next victim is Irene Lockwood. She was found dead on April 8th in 1964 on the shore of the Thames uh, and not far from where Talford had been found. Lockwood was pregnant at the time of her death. She had been strangled with a ligature of some kind, but her actual cause of death was drowning. She was also found naked. It is also believed that she was four months pregnant. So, about that far along. Uh, She was also, wasn't from London, had moved to London, uh, and began to work in the sex industry and also worked at these sex parties. Uh, she was also reported to have blackmailed her clients with the use of photographs and had also used to steal from them. Oh. And just a year before her death, a good friend of Irene's named Vicki Pender was battered to death for the same scheme. So they had kind of walked the fine line there in the danger right. area of it. So her death was also unsolved. And then... Um, that same month, just a couple weeks later, the next victim is Helen Bartholomew. Um, she was found dead on April 24th in 1964 uh, in an alleyway at the rear end of Manor Road. Um, so this one wasn't by the river. It was in an alley behind a garage. Uh, she had been strangled with a ligature and was naked. Her nose and cheekbone were swollen to suggest she had been bit or been hit. She was also missing three front teeth, so I'm pretty sure he was taking the teeth as souvenirs. Yeah, because all of them are missing teeth. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, Her death gave investigators their first solid piece of evidence in the case and has actually kind of tied them all together, and they started going, wait a minute, this is fucking weird. Um, There were flecks of paint used in a car manufacturing on her body. Police felt that the paint had probably come from the killer's workplace, and then they focused on tracing it to trying to find it in nearby businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, so they had seen a pattern emerging, and they linked these three these three specific cases that I've, I just that talked about. That were pretty much exactly the same. <clears throat> right, as one murderer. Right. All of the victims were sex workers. They also, all in, short in nature, and all had or had recently had an STD. Okay. They also believe that uh, as the body was filthy, that it must have been stored somewhere before it had been dumped in the alleyway. And they came to the conclusion that if they could find the storage place where that paint was used, they could find the killer. Um, 
Helen described herself as a strip-teased artist, and she had come to London from Blackpool. Um, she was actually came there after her release from prison for a crime she committed in Blackpool. She was accused of luring a man to the beach where he was attacked by three men, and she stole a shit. Okay. Uh, she was given a four-year jail sentence and then was released after appeal after three months and moved to London. Did sex work. Uh, let's see. What was I going to talk about? Oh, so she... <clears throat> Sorry. So she was also known to frequent jazz clubs and they believe that she was addicted to Indian hemp, which I'm pretty sure is just weed. <laughs> I guess I don't know for sure, but that's what I would assume. Yeah. Uh, it is strongly suspected that Jack had left the body of Helen Bartholomew in the alley due to an increased police presence near the riverbanks. Uh, so they started to log any car registration numbers seen in those areas during the night. So any car that drove drove, drove by the Thames at night, they logged, they had people there to log their which makes sense. Yeah. So there was an increased presence along the Thames, so then he left her in an alley. I just have to say I'm very proud of you. You have said Thames about seven times, <clears throat> and it's just been Thames. You're I, doing a wonderful thank job. Thank you. I keep sec I keep almost going fit, and then I pause and go, Thames. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary Fleming is the next victim. Uh, she was found on July 14th, 1964, so he had a bit of a pause. Uh, she was seated upright against an orange, a garage entrance, sorry, orange. <laughs> <laughs> She's fucking making up words now. Fucking orange. An orange entrance. Um, underneath garage is once, so I think I stole the one and oh, dumped her up on top. Uh, <laughs> so she was seated upright against a garage entrance and was totally naked. Once again, there were paint spots on the body. Mary had worked as a sex worker for over a decade, was known as a tough cookie who would openly tell the story of the time she fought off an attacker who tried to strangle her. Uh, she was also wise enough to know the dangers and would always carry a knife with her. So they were kind of surprised mm -hmm. that it would have happened to her. Um, on the morning of the murder, just before 5 a.m. and moments before Mary's body was discovered, neighbors heard a vehicle reversing down the street, but no one actually saw the vehicle. So they heard someone okay. drive her off, basically, but no one saw it. So we're now into um, October of 1964. Frances Brown was last seen alive on the 23rd of October by a colleague who saw her get into a client's car. On November 25th, her body was found in a park, car park on Horton Street. She had been strangled and was nude. Uh, the colleague was able to actually provide police with a description of the car, thought to be a gray Ford Zephyr and Brown had actually testified as a witness um, along with Christine Keeler and Mandy Rice Davis in the trial of Stephen Ward in July 1963. So Stephen Ward, and I'll get into this, was part of the uh, pro-FUMO affair. FUMO. And it is a British political scandal um, which brought the resignation of John Profumo, the Secretary of State of War, and contributed to the defeat of the conservative government a year later, and it was a sex scandal. So she and three other sex workers had um, went to trial and against those, like, the government officials okay. in the Profumo affair. 
So that's linking them back to those sex parties. Right. Because she actually knew Hannah Talford from those sex parties. Oh, okay. Uh, And so she was also, now she's now a victim. Right. It was believed they both had minor connection to the major political scandal known as the Profumo Affair. Brown had given evidence against Stephen Ward, who many believed was a scapegoat, and said that she was hired by him to sleep with men from the upper classes. Mm. Uh, So thanks to this connection and the belief that some of the other victims were involved in taking part, um, there's a lot of suggestion. There's been a lot of authors and book authors that have tied more things back to this affair, and they believe that it's possible that the reason that they were all of these murders happened was to kill some of the pe- the the sex workers that were a part of this. Right. To keep them quiet. Right. But you can't just kill them, otherwise it's totally obvious. So you kill... Some other sporadic right. people. Okay. She had been missing a month, obviously, since her body was discovered. Um, they actually... the Her colleague was able to give the police also, like, a sketch of mm-hmm. the person that she saw... And so they released that, but there was no results in any, in that picture being released of any people. Okay. Um, so then we come to his last victim or last known victim, which is Bertie O'Hara. Uh, she's an Irish immigrant. Uh, her name was Bridget, named, they called her Bertie. Mm-hmm. She was found dead on February 16th, 1965. <clears throat> Excuse me. Near a storage said behind um a trading estate and it and she had been missing since january 11th um her body turned up those flecks of industrial paint she was nude the cause of death was asphyxiation it was also believed that her front teeth were missing there we are again uh, her body was actually partially mummified uh police believe this to be from being stored in a cool dry place for a long period of time oh, that would make sense I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so that those are all the victims, those six victims. And then for the investigation, Scotland Yard decided to recall from vacation Chief Superintendent John DeRose. He's one of the force's most respected and experienced investigators to try and help solve the murder case. Um, they they obviously it kept being compared to Jack the Ripper's case, which had opened almost exactly a year or a hundred years before. Uh, DuRose was nicknamed Five Day Johnny due to his <laughs> reputation to getting to the bottom of baffling cases in a short period of time. So he's a really good investigator that could close cases really quickly. Okay. Uh, he requested a huge addition to the investigation team. Um, so by employing an extra 600 officers, ranging from a 300-strong special patrol group, 200 plainclothes detectives, and 100 extra uniformed officers. Okay. Uh, during his investigation, he, he, they surmised that the unknown serial killer was a sexual sadist who took pleasure in killing his victims during the act of fellatio. Oh. Uh, this intimate sexual act where the, the women were basically physically vulnerable gave the killer the opportunity to grab the victims' heads, both suffocating and strangling them in the process. So he'd suffocate them with his dick? That's how I read it, but I don't know. Do you think he knocked their teeth out first? And that's why their teeth were out, so they couldn't bite his dick? I don't know. Because it's all the front teeth. Yeah. 
Let's just stew let's on just, this for a second. Let's just we're do just like, some radio silence <sighs> and think about giving head while being choked. Amanda, calm down. <laughs> First of all, you can't breathe very well anyway. Secondly, I think I'm kind of growing out of that a little bit. I don't know. Maybe my like my uh, Susan, stop listening. It's not Bill approved. She's or Susan approved. She's fine. I think. <laughs> I think what's happening is I'm a little less afraid of like affection now. So you don't need to be choked. So I don't need to be choked to feel something. <laughs> I'm more open to being just, you know, I'm more open to love. being loved. <laughs> I'm more open for love. Anyway. Oh, for God's sakes. Okay. So gradually the huge police manhunt um they interviewed hundreds of men known to frequent prostitutes slash sex workers or those caught like wandering town which was clearly obviously looking for a sex worker right um and they believed that they like kind of whittled it down to um a smaller or like suspect pool they put in most of their effort was put into finding the origins of the paint that had been found on the bodies of the last four victims after a search that covered over 24 square miles, they finally found a matching sample. And just feet from where Bertie O'Hara's body was discovered, a match to the paint was found from under a nearby transformer. Opposite the transformer was a building that was used as a paint spray shop. Police believe that the transformer was where the body of Bertie O'Hara had been stored and that they had found the killer's hideout. So okay. that's why that would also account for why her body was partially mummified. Right. Because the heat from the transformer, but it's also a cool, dry place. It's basically the correct pl- like, temperature. Yeah, humidity and temperature to, to do such a thing. Like mummify it, yes. So the police were convinced that they were closing in on the killer. Um, Detective John DeRose gave a statement in which he stated they had whittled their suspects list down to just three names and soon it would be one. Um, after his statement was made, there were no more victims discovered. The Hammersmith nude murders were seemingly over. And despite having interviewed over 7,000 individuals investigating hundreds of leads, the case still remained unsolved. So, we do have... Sorry, I'm like... A couple of suspects. I think DeRose... Um, we'll get there. So... They narrowed, he narrowed it down to one suspect, uh, which he believed was a security guard on the estate whose duty appeared to be perfectly fit with the dates of the murders. He was quiet, a quiet family man who uh, have uh, had access to the building where the bodies were known to have been stored. But before he could be questioned, he took his own life and was never formally charged. Okay. But the murders had stopped, and despite there being no concrete evidence suggesting the security guard was Jack the Stripper, the huge investigation basically was just closed down, and they left it to cold case files. Okay. Uh, So, we're going to go over what suspects there are. So, the first one, which he was actually tried for... um, some of the murders, but then he was found not guilty by a jury and acquitted by a judge. He um, 
Kenneth Archibald was a 57-year-old caretaker of the Holland Park Lawn Tennis Club. He um, walked in. He walked into the Notting Hill Police Station and confessed to the killing of Irene Lockwood, which was the third victim, second victim. Uh, he was charged with the murder, stood trial, but when he asked to plead, he retracted his confession and pled not guilty. There was no other evidence to link him to the crime, so then he was acquitted. So that's really all they had on that guy. He was one of the suspects, but aggressive with hand gestures. Wow. So Mungo Ireland is who DeRose believed was the killer. Okay. Um, he was a Scot- the Scottish security guard uh, who DeRose identified in a BBC television interview in 1970. Um, they Everybody called him Big John. He had apparently been identified as a suspect shortly after Bertie O'Hara's murder when they tied the paint back to that that transformer. Okay. And that he worked at a security guard on that estate. Um, but shortly after that connection, he committed suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning, leaving a note for his wife that read, I can't stick it any longer. To save you and the police looking for me, I'll be in the garage. (sighs) But it was convenient that that note, the way the note read, it, he's seen as by many as a strong suspect, but a lot of investigative research that has been done in these cases since then has actually proven that Mungo Ireland was in Scotland when Bertie O'Hara was murdered. He was visiting family. Oh. So he he definitely could not have killed Bertie. So that doesn't mean he didn't kill anyone else, but it, the likelihood of some him killing all of the other ones and not Bertie when they were killed in the same manner. Right. And then the killer leaving him the body, like, right where they were able to tie it all together. Right. Seems very rare. It's a little too neat of a bow that can't stay together because it doesn't make sense. The other thing is that these murders have been going on for a year. And, like, the last four bodies had paint on them Mm -hmm. from this place. And... Um, Mungo Ireland had only been working at that Heron Trading Estate for three weeks. So. Sounds like a scapegoat to me. Yes. So that's why I feel like DeRose may have found him and said he fits the bill and just said all this. investigating. Which is why Five Day Johnny, how many of those cases were, this guy looks about right, we're going to say it's him. Right. And not... Hey, this is actually him. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. The <laughs> other, hmm. and the explanation for to save the police looking for me in his suicide note, he was actually due in court that morning of his suicide due to a motoring offense, like a vehicle offense that he had, like, got a warrant out for his arrest because he didn't pay it or whatever. Right. So there was actually, like, he was supposed to be in court that morning. And... His wife also admitted that the pair were going through a lot of difficult times in their marriage, and it could have been the reason for his suicide. Right. So there's a lot of other circumstances. I'm sorry. That is like sandpaper in my throat. That feed into it. Right. So I'm not sure that it's him. Right. He makes kind. Of, he makes sense. Like, could make sense, 
but mm-hmm. it is definitely not a hundred percenter. So the next one is Freddie Mills, who was actually in 2001, a reformed gangster named Jimmy Tippett Jr. said that during, he did research for a book about London's gangland after he kind of reformed gangster. He decided he was going to write a book about like London's underworld gangs. Okay. And he believes that he uncovered information suggesting that British light heavyweight boxing champion Freddie Mills was responsible for the murders. He said that he had spoken to famous figures in the underworld and also senior police officers in Scotland Yard and is convinced that Freddie Mills was the killer. Contrary to his public image, Mills was a sexually warped sadist who enjoyed inflicting pain. He said that he had previously been linked with the murders by Peter Neely, who was a freelance journalist from Valham, South London, who told police in July of 1972 that he had received information in confidence from a serving chief inspector that Mills killed the nude prostitutes. He also said that this was common knowledge in the West End, that if you asked anyone, a lot of times they would just say, oh, Freddie did them in. Oh. Mills... My my girl, it's digesting that Sammy. Digesting that Sammy. Oh yeah, I got Amanda half a sandwich. Well, she got herself a whole sandwich and couldn't eat it, and then gave me a half. It was delicious though. It was it was good. It was good. Anyway, Mills was found dead in his car by suicide in 1965. All these guys are getting suicided. But 1965 was when the murder stopped. Mm Mm-hmm. So so it makes sense. Yes. If it was him, that's why they would stop. Yes. So, last victim, which I also think is, I think it's Freddie Mills and Harold Jones is the last guy, I think is, are the prime, like, make the most sense. Okay. Okay. So, the crime and investigation channels, which I believe is, like, England's ID ID channel, channel, (laughs) um, put out a show called Fred Dinage Murder Casebook, and it put forward the theory that the killer could have been Harold Jones who's a convicted murderer from Wales. He killed two girls in 1921 in the Welsh town of Abertilly, but because he was 15 at the time, he was not liable for the death penalty and received a life sentence. Okay. He then was released 20 years later for exemplary behavior, and in 1941, at the age of 35, um, after being released from the prison, he is believed to have returned to Abertilly and visited the graves of his early victims. Yeah. Ew. So, in 1947, he was living in Fulham, London, and all of the uh, stripper murders had similar features to his early murders. There was no sexual assault, but extreme violence was inflicted on the victims. Um, But due to poor record-keeping, he was never considered a possible suspect by the police. Oh. So, in another uh, um, book, Neil Milkins, and who, the book's name was Who Was Jack the Stripper, concluded that Jones was... Uh, the obvious perpetrator while researching um, for another book, he was actually researching Jones for his other book, Every Mother's Nightmare, and concluded that he was the stripper. He was like, hey. As well. Um, so he was in Fulham in the late 1940s, calling himself Harry Stevens, stayed at that address in, until 1962, at which point he disappeared again. And then from 1962 to 1965, where there's, like, the spate of murders, if you exclude the very first one in 1959. Mm-hmm. But from 1962 to 1965, when Jones was missing and no one knows where his whereabouts were, is exactly when those prostitutes, the sex workers, went missing in London. 
And then he turned back up in 1965 under another alias. And then he died in Hammersmith in 1971. Okay. So the timeline makes sense. Right. All right. And that is all I got on the Hammersmith nude murders. That's fucking it. Jack the Stripper. That's it? That's it. That's legitimately, like, the end. That's the end. That was the most anticlimactic thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> You're like, and he did it, and, and that's it. it. I don't know who did it. It's a who done it. I don't know. They don't know. You he don't me. know. You don't know. You tell me. I don't, I don't think it was the Ireland guy, though. Oh, the Scottish Ireland guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mungo. Mungo Ireland. I don't think it was him. When you were like, it was from Scotland. I'm like, you're telling me his name is Ireland. You're and he's telling from me Scotland. his name is Mungo Ireland and he's from Scotland? <laughs> um, the last guy seems to make the most sense to me. Just because timeline lands, he obviously has a history of being aliases or having aliases in other places doing very similar things. So mm-hmm. I feel like that makes sense. It would to make sense. To me, the Freddie Mills guy is also right up there because the two of the other girls were having known associates of the Cray gang. Mm-hmm. And Freddie Mills was like working in like the underground too, even though he was a heavy light, you know. Yeah. He, he was has known the in the underworld. He has and, the people connections. And he was known as a sexual sadist so so yeah it could be him and too. if it was he could have been at those rich and famous sex parties too because he was a heavyweight light or lightweight boxing well-known well figure. right he was kind of a so in the he seemed to have his fingers in all the pies of that check off that came off during, i don't ever call them that <laughs> he had his fingers in all the pies you know my germs my germs my strong my germs I made the mashed potatoes (laughs) smash it in there that was interesting though had you ever heard of that one? no I hadn't either never I don't even know how I found it but all of a sudden it kept kept saying the Jack the Stripper murders and I'm like is this a typo? What? Who's who's yanking my chain? Oh, are you yanking my are chain? Are you yanking my chain? Do you have a typo? Is this some type of joke? And then I open it and I was like, oh. Oh no, it's just some reporter who's an asshole. Okay, good talk. Cool. Sweet. Well, good jobs. Thanks. <laughs> All oi. right. Wait, wait, wait. Do you have a story for me? I don't. Now that I told you that wholly unsatisfying story. And I noticed that after I did all three of mine that none of, there's no resolution to any of them. So I'm like, these are all... Amanda's gonna be mad. She hates it when a blue I do. baller... I do. I do not like the the unsolved mysteries. Some of them are interesting because it's like... When they're... happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or they're so close to now that it's like... Well, now I just want to fucking figure it out. Now I gotta figure it out. And... Uh, I really want to get into that dream bar, so hurry up. Bitch, I got other things I got to take care of for a second. Bitch, I just sat here and listened to your story. I want to dig into that dream bar. Come on! So, I'm going to tell you about the story, or Annie Burkett's story. Okay? Or Burkett. So, I'm going to say Burkett, because it's a double T at the end. Makes sense to me. Burkett. No, not you. I'm not you. You are you. I am not you. So, October 2nd of 1917, there was a body found in 
in some brush right off of the side of the road in Sydney, Australia. Mm. That's, I don't know why I said that. So I don't know I made that sound. You know, it, it is what it is now. We're weird. Let's just move on. Uh, the body was badly burned, and it, this made identification almost impossible at the time because it was only 1912, so they didn't have, like, DNA anything, you know? Um, what was determined is that this was a woman who had died about two days earlier. She was right around 40 years old and was between the heights of five and five foot two. So okay. they believed that this woman was the victim of foul play. This is what the authorities thought. But the medical examiner said that there wasn't really any sign saying that it was foul play. The only thing that they knew and that they believed was odd was that she most likely was alive when she was caught fire or was set on fire. Jesus. Okay. Just because of burning inside of her lungs. So, Ugh. yeah, I know. So days after the discovery of the body... They, <clears throat> sorry, after the body had been discovered, it was announced in the paper and nobody claimed it. So nobody knew who this was. Nobody had anybody that was missing that they mm -hmm. claimed the body or came to at least like see if it was this person. Okay. So they buried her as a Jane Doe mm -hmm. because there was no, as soon as it got to a point where they, were, they couldn't keep around anymore, they had to bury her. So... Then, two or so years later, a young man named Harry Burkett and his aunt Lily went to the police to report his mother, Annie Burkett, missing. Two so, years later? Yeah. Okay. Since they hadn't really heard or seen her in two years. Like, about two and a half years is what they said. So, when Annie had gone missing, she was 35 years old. She was married to a man named Harry Crawford. And Harry was her second husband because her first husband was... So, I'm going to say Crawford from here on out for Harry Crawford because the son's name is Harry as well. Okay, that makes sense. I was getting confused already, so yeah. that makes sense. So, Crawford was her second husband because her first husband, the father of Harry, Harry Burkett, had died a few years earlier before she got married to this other guy, okay? Okay. So, Harry said that his mother first came, had gone missing, and her husband... Crawford, mm -hmm. told them that she had run off with another man. Okay. So that's why they didn't really think anything of it for a while, because they're like, well, maybe she just wanted to, like, start anew, some, you know, whatever. Yeah. So this seemed doubtful to him, though, because he said there is no way that she would have done that without contacting him and just, like, letting him know or telling him that, you know, I'm going off the grid, even if she was going to do that. Right. So Harry said the last time that he saw his mother, it was late September of 1917, which, just a reminder, October 2nd is when that charred body was found. So it was only not long before that. When Annie went missing, Crawford moved to the inner city in Sydney, so her husband. So along with him moving, like right after she was just disappeared and said she, that he said that she had ran off with another man, uh, Harry also said that there were some a couple strange things that Crawford had did after his mother went missing, too. So first, once Crawford had taken him off to, like, an ocean cliff on eastern Sydney, they call it the Gap, and it's a place where people are known to commit suicide off of. Um, they just were, like, basically going for a hike. They went there, and Crawford stood at the edge of the... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're gonna would... go for a hike where people commit suicide? 
Maybe it's really pretty. I don't know. Never fucking do that. Hey, There's hey, pretty things on the ground where hey, you don't have to die. Stop. So, I don't know. But either way, Suspicious they were up there. Suspicious Excuse me. You're real gassy today. They were up there. It's because, I don't know. I don't know. It's that bacon, man. Probably. I definitely mm-hmm. tasted it with that burp. Mm-hmm. So Crawford stood at the <laughs> at the Ever edge of gross. this gap and kept asking Harry to come stand next to him, but Harry refused because he's like, uh, no dude. No dude, I don't want to die. So he thought that was really odd because it was just out of character for Crawford to fucking odd. That's yeah. weird. Don't do that. Um and then a week or so after that, Crawford took him out um to the bush because it's Sydney. <laughs> It sounds so weird. I say it, and I'm like, mm. Took him out to the bush, huh? Taking my son to the bush. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and made Harry dig a large hole. And then after he dug that hole, hole, they simply just left with no explanation. And he was like, so that was really weird, too. So I noted that in my head, like, why are we... Okay. Why am I digging a hole? That's weird. Whatever. Why aren't you questioning this while you're digging the hole, is my question. Because the first thing I would do if my stepdad took me out into the bush and said, dig a hole, I'd be like, why? See, I don't, you know, and that's where I'm like, uh, but then maybe. Maybe there was something intimidated that just maybe. went, don't push him, just dig the fucking hole. Exactly. Get out of this alive. Exactly. So I don't really know. But- I don't have that. Yeah, me neither. That's why. That's why no, we're dude, going to die. Fucking hole. Tell me why. <laughs> someone like threatens with a knife. Either of us would be like, "What are you gonna do? Fucking stab me?" And then they stab you, and then you're dead. Hey, you fucking stab me. What? I asked a question. Some, <laughs> you know, some people would just say, "Okay, what do you want?" and give them everything. I'm it's like, what are you gonna dying. do? I'm fucking dying here, man. I'm dying here, man. God. <laughs> Fucking love that movie. Uh, So, I haven't seen that for so long. We should watch Scream. Yeah, we should. Okay, so (laughs) another thing was Crawford also made him read a newspaper article that wasn't necessarily from even their town. That was about a charred remains of a woman being found and unidentified. His fucking mom... So, dude, this motherfucker, this <laughs> motherfucker. So, it obviously nothing was like verified and it all was just like circumstantial stuff, but he's like all these things were really weird, really lining up with something nefarious and he wanted to come to the police and his aunt finally like talked him into going, mm-hmm. which was Annie's sister. Right. So, they just went and did that finally two and a half years or so later. So after hearing the story and hearing about Harry's timeline, the police concluded that the Jane Doe had to have been his mother. That was their assumption with the entire timeline of when she disappeared, all of these weird things. They also figured that Crawford was the killer, obviously. Mm -hmm. So they strongly felt that he also tried to kill Harry on at least two of those occasions. Like it was... His plan was to throw him off the cliff and then say he committed suicide or to bury him in this large hole, but for whatever reason got, like, cold feet to do it or whatever, and they just left. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was what they assumed with the track record of everything. Um, So they tracked down Crawford in July of 1920. 
He was living with his new wife, Elizabeth, who had been married to him for about nine months at that point. Crawford was arrested and made a strange request that shocked the officers. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm like running out of breath. Okay. I, it's because I'm... No, stop it. Bitch. It's because I'm reading. Well, I'm talking until it totally runs out of breath in my lungs. And then I'm like... <sighs> okay. Bitch. So anyway, so... <laughs> bitch. <laughs> he requested to be placed in jail with women because he was physically female. Crawford, the husband. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> so, he told them his story. He was born in July of 1875 in Laverno, Italy, as Eugenia Fellini. Crawford's family immigrated to New Zealand when she was two. As a teen, she dressed as a boy and would do manual work with her father to help do money, like get money for the family, right? Mm -hmm. Because as a girl at that time... You didn't really get work, right? Yeah. So, so her parents forced her to marry a man once she got to be a little bit older. And she, at this point, she was aware that she was not interested in men. Okay. You know, she was like, no, thank you. And then on top of that, it made her more uncomfortable because she found out that he also, he was already, had already been married and had kids and had like nothing to do with them. So that turned her off to him on top of not being interested in men. So she left him and started living as a man. So she went by the name Eugene. Easy change, right? Okay. From Eugenia. Eventually, she ended up in Sydney and took on the name Harry Crawford. So Harry Crawford worked in manual labor jobs for different factories. Crawford was also a, a heavy drinker and was known well in local bars. I want to see this butch bitch. I'll show you. I'll show you afterwards. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever heard this story? No. No, I haven't. It's fucking weird. Isn't it? Well, I just think it's weird because it's like a turn of the century thing. And mm -hmm. it's like so out of the ordinary for the turn of the century. Yeah. So in 1910, at 35, he was working as a yard manager and a driver for a doctor. And that's where he met Annie Burkett, who was his housekeeper, the doctor's housekeeper. So the two got married in February of 1913, about three years later. He says that they had an active sex life, and his wife never, <laughs> but his wife never saw him fully nude, so he could keep it secret. So, what was he sticking inside her? He used, we'll say, an apparatus, a strap on, basically, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> not. I just that's so fucking weird. Can you imagine? Well, just keeping that secret. Oh god, that's awful. Like, yeah. If it's consensual, whatever you do, you. But to be a chick and not, not know. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird. I don't like it. So Crawford said that his life with Annie and Harry was a happy one, but this was disputed by the people that knew the family. Well. Okay. Uh, Annie thought that Crawford drank too much and was very reluctant to marry him, which is why it took them three years to get married well, in the early 1900s. Well, she didn't have a dick, or he didn't have a dick. That's why she didn't want to marry him? Probably. Well, she, Annie didn't know. I know she didn't know, but I'm saying, like, in 1917, premarital sex was not a thing. Right. So I'm assuming if they didn't get married, they weren't doing it. 
So that's why he didn't want to actually get married, because then he'd have to figure out no, how to No, Annie do didn't want to get married. Oh, sorry. Annie okay. Crawford wanted to mar- get married, but got Annie it, was reluctant because Crawford drank too much. Oh, I sorry. Um, I thought Annie was not happy because he drank too much and was reluctant to get married to her. Oh, no. Sorry. Okay. Nope. So Annie's the one who was reluctant. Okay. So... He vowed to change so that he she would marry him. Mm-hmm. And he did for a while, but not for very long. So. In 1917, a 19-year-old woman named Josephine came to live with them. This was Crawford's daughter. Yeah. That she gave birth to? Yeah. So. The fuck when- kind of story <laughs> is this? This is so weird. <laughs> so when Crawford was going by Eugene and working on ships. When he was 23, the crew found out that he was a female and Crawford got gang raped by the crew and the captain. And then they abandoned her in Newcastle, Australia, which is how she got to Australia because she was working on ships and they abandoned her there. Oh, that's terrible. And Crawford ended up being pregnant and gave birth to Josephine. So in 1898... She left Josephine with an Italian couple, and they raised her. Okay. Throughout his daughter's life, they had had multiple visits. She knew of Crawford, but knew Crawford as her mother. So So this whole thing is just very confusing. Yes. So Crawford basically begged her not to say anything when she came to live with them because it was, she was in straints. She needed to do something like mm-hmm. she just needed help. So she was he's like, well, you can come here, but you can't mention that I'm a girl. Like it's, you can't tell anyone so, that I'm a chick. Yeah. It's so like sad. It's sad to think about that. You yeah. had to be so secretive about all that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Anyway. So it isn't totally known if Josephine was the one who told Annie, but it's clear that Annie, probably found out about her Uh, husband's year four years of uh lying to her uh, well seven but four years of marriage there is also a possibility that neighbors may have told annie because i guess josephine had mentioned to neighbors how crawford was her mother in passing without thinking about it mm. um so after josephine moved in the neighbors said that the couple began to argue a lot more uh, less than a month before her disappearance, Annie wrote a letter to her relatives, a relative saying that she found something shocking out about Crawford and she would tell them about it soon, but she was trying to figure it all out. So, uh, I cannot imagine what I would yeah. do. Yeah. So, Crawford said that on September 28th of 1917, he and Annie went on a picnic and they had gotten into an argument at some point. During this argument, Crawford said that Annie began to storm off, tripped, and hit her head on a sharp rock, and ended up what he thought dying. So he decided to burn her body because he figured that no one would believe the story that he she fell and hit her head and died. Annie was probably still alive when he lit her on fire, and that's why she was showing the burning in her lungs. So... 
Turns out that Crawford was right, though. Nobody really believed his story. Well, no, especially after you try to kill his kid. Mm-hmm. Dig a hole. Mm-hmm. Should have it. Read the news article about a burned up body. You're a fucking freak, man. Right. So... I'm not being sensitive. It has nothing to do with a girl who wants to be a boy. I don't even care at this point. Just do you. It's everything else about the story that's it's fucking It's the murders weird. and that okay. sort of thing. Sorry. So, so what the police think... Is that Annie had threatened during this conversation to expose Crawford's secret. Right. And so he killed her. Like, that's the most logical, easiest answer is usually the right answer in yeah, cases like this. Sense. Yeah. Um, so he was charged with murder. So Crawford's second wife, remember, he was also married again. Oh, God. Also had no idea that he was physically female. Okay. Um, and was shocked to hear the news, like, baffled. He went to trial on in October of 1920, and it blew up in Australian media. They were obsessed with how he managed to hide things like this from two separate wives who they had regular sexual, like, count- encounters. It's... They be fucking. <laughs> they be fucking. <laughs> You're just trying to get it out so properly. (laughs) Well, it's... When they be fucking on the rag, you know what I mean? Uh, Though it had nothing to do with the case, they put the, like, instrument that he would use during sex in as evidence (laughs) just to appease the media, it seemed. Uh, The jury deliberated for two hours and declared Crawford guilty, and he was sentenced to death. Later, though... The death sentence was commuted to life, but then in February of 1931, about 10 years later, uh, he was released on the condition that they ha- that he had to live the rest of his life as a woman, which I think is also kind of bullshit. That is kind of bullshit. Uh, upon release, they took a... Well, it's bullshit, because, but at the same time, I think they were... Other than being... I'm sure they were just being homophobe and... Whatever right. else it's called. But also, he has now twice basically frauded someone else. Right, exactly. So, I get it from that aspect, but I know that wasn't the aspect of it. Right. It was all of the other things that are just terrible about this world that are the reason why he was forced to live that way. But, sorry. Continue. Right. So, upon their release... I it's I I don't know how to he's gone back and forth. Let's yeah, just, exactly. Uh, they took on the name Jean Ford, and she would she because now she's Jean would buy, renovate, and sell boarding houses. So all of that like physical labor in the past yeah. went, came in handy that way. On June 9th of nineteen fifty eight, at the age of sixty two, Ford was headed to a real estate office to purchase another property. Mm -hmm. As she was crossing the street, she was hit by a car and died. While she was in prison, her daughter Josephine had died of tuberculosis, so there was nobody to claim her body, and she was buried in a pauper's grave. Ironically, the area in which she was killed is now known as the LGBT district in (gasps) Sydney. Oh, really? Yeah. So... So it's kind of a it was a really weird story. It was That's in one really of my weird. like one of my searches of like bizarre twists or like 
I can't, couldn't even tell you the wording because I did a lot of different like something weird because I was just trying to find something that I had never heard before that had some interesting. That is, that's a weird. Twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Do you want to see face? Yeah, I want to see what this chick looks like. Guy, what they, what this, what this being looks like. That's not what that I... is being okay. I'm person. Person. Person would be a great word. <laughs> That's what I was trying. I was think. I was actually trying to think of that word, and I just kept coming up with. I was like, "What they? What she? What? I don't want to say it because I know that's not right. What? Yeah. This person looks like. So, let me see if I can find a. So here is a side-by-side of being a dude and... Like, she looks better. They look better as a dude. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, looking real rough as a lady. Yeah. Dude looks like a lady. Well, that's because... Dude looks like a lady. The lady thing was not... Not the ticket. No. I For them, so... If that's what you want to do, if that's... Who you want to be. But yeah. So I thought that was an interesting story. That was interesting. Good jobs. In fact, take a look at... You're going to show me the bird corpse? No, I was just going to show you another picture of Harry Crawford. Oh, that definitely... Like, I could see why they thought it was a dude. I keep saying it. Yeah, I know you do. I don't mean it like that. That's why I did this. What, What are you doing? You could see why... I could see why they thought she was a dude. Or they were a dude. I don't... I'm not trying to be insensitive. I just don't know how to word it. But I support you. (laughs) Whatever it may be. Whatever you decide to do. But yeah. Interesting weird case. My other one's kind of weird too. For today, so... Hope you're buckled in. Hope you're strapped. Oh. Just wrap <laughs> on. I just am digging myself a deep asshole. So why don't we just like wrap this I feel one like up? I just need to chop out the last twenty minutes of your story. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I'm struggling real hard. I mean, you can go at the end and take keep, off some of your I like. I keep saying things that I don't mean to come out the way they sound, and then I feel like people are gonna think I'm an asshole, and I'm not. I'm you a, are an asshole. I'm an asshole, but not about this. <laughs> I'm not like trying to be mean. No, you just do. I just. I'm gonna end it with spread the word, spread yourselves, and just do you. Like if that's just do what you want to do. Good job. I want to be an ally, not an asshole. Good job. Should should we like tell them about social media or because you were just like I'm gonna end it on this and it's like we I'll haven't let, done any of our closing I'll let, stuff. I'll let you close it out. I'll just stop talking now. Okay. So while Christina just sits in her hole, uh, follow us on the social media pages. We have Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. ISW the podcast. You can also email us at iswthepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us anything if you got story requests, whatever. We also see the messages on those social media pages. So feel free to send them there. Like, review, share. Feel free to be, you know, be yourselves. Spread the word. Spread yourselves. 
that's all we got for you today. Thank you. You're Thank a wonderful you. Job. Have a have a good week, guys. You too. I'm sorry about everything. What? Why'd you say you too? I said you guys. <laughs>